seek good and not evil, uh, establish justice. So why does God say that? So what is good and what is justice? What are those things? They're actions. What does it mean to seek good? Just to sit down and go, I need something good. I've got to feel good. I've got to feel warm and fuzzy. No, put that into practice. Don't seek evil. Establish justice, not injustice. And what is justice? Justice is an action. It's not just a fuzzy-wuzzy talk where we say, go and be warm, go and be well. God is actually turning around to his people and saying, now I need you to fulfill your, your part of the blessing to the nations by doing something good. Well, welcome, brothers and sisters, to Christ Church Jerusalem, to our Wednesday night evening Bible study, going through the book of Amos, the burden bearer of the Lord, where we hear the Lord roar. Uh, his his proclamations his proclamations out speaking to a generation several several thousand years ago but actually very poignant uh, to the generation and world that we live in today so like the, uh, the, the this all scripture is like a two-edged sword sharper than anything and uh, and it really is something we need to be careful with but at the same time wrestle with in in, in all its glory um, so if this is your first time, joining us we are delighted to have you and um, if the if this is something that you enjoy and you want to keep uh, coming along then every now and again consider giving a small gift to Christchurch not to me to CMJ they that helps cover the communications department and they pay for all the you know the internet and things like that it's it's a good thing to do if, if, if you happen to be so called to do so now uh, as is our tradition, whenever we gather in the name of the Lord as brothers and sisters, we offer up a prayer. So I'm going to invite our brother Mordecai uh, to come and lead us and prepare our hearts. So Mordecai, pray us in, mate. Dear Heavenly Father, Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we give you thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness. To us and to all whom you have made, to your church, we bless your holy name for our creation, for our lives, for our families, and all the blessings of this life that you have given to us. And we pray, please give us such an mercy and understanding as we go through your holy scriptures today and pour out your Holy Spirit on us and guide us today and our leaders, including Reverend Aaron, Reverend Daryl, and CMJ family, including Reverend David Plague. Father, you promised to hear what we ask in your son's name. So we ask these things in the holy name of Jesus, our Messiah, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Amos chapter 5. Hear this word that I take up over you in lamentation, O house of Israel. Fallen, no more to rise, is the virgin Israel, forsaken on her land, with none to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, the city that went out a thousand shall have a hundred left, and that which went out a hundred shall have ten left to the house of Israel. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel, do not enter into Gilgal or cross over to Besheva, for Gilgal shall surely go into exile and Bethel will come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live. 
lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and it devour with none to quench it for Bethel. For you turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth. He who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls the waters of the sea and pours them out onto the face surface of the earth. The Lord is his name, who makes destruction flash forth against the strong, so that destruction comes upon the fortress. They hate him who reproves at the gate. They abhor him who speaks the truth. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and you extract taxes of grain from him, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know how many of, are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, you who take a bribe and turn aside the needy in the gate. Therefore, he who is prudent will keep silent in such a time, for it's an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. So the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you. As you have said, hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord, in all the squares they'll be wailing, in all the streets they shall say, alas, alas. They shall call the farmers to mourning and to, and to wailing those who are skilled in lamentation. And in all vineyards there shall be wailing. For I will pass through your midst, says the Lord. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness. It is not light. As if a, a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Or he went into a house and he leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? And gloom with no brightness in it. I hate, I despise your feats. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I won't accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs and the melody of your harps. I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Did you bring to me sacrifices and offerings during the 40 years in the wilderness or house of Israel? You shall take up Sukkot, your king, and Kayun, your star god, your images that you made for yourselves. And I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. Wow. This is the word of the Lord. Tough one. So I'll just say a few, a few comments, um, and then we'll go to Vida. When, when, when I read this, I read this a couple of times because I kept thinking, my gosh, after two and a half thousand years, we are still talking about the same thing. Um, oh, my gosh. And uh, then, of course, I had to remember that, you know, I'm part of this culture, too. OK, um, you know, we're not sitting on top of a mountaintop, um, sitting under a tree waiting for the rapture. We're in and we're involved and we're trying to work and we're trying to to share. And um, and sometimes you can look around the world and think, oh, my gosh, this is what's going on. Um, come, Lord Jesus. For those of us that are engaging in um, liturgical services, we often <laughs> gather together and say that. And then you read a text that says, don't look for the day of the Lord. What are you talking about, Amos? So let's wrestle with that. Those are some of the things that I wrestled with when I first read this text. But I'll honor the hands. So, Vida or David? 
Yes, Erin, the question I've got is twofold. The first one is, it really struck me as we were reading, it says, therefore, the prudent will keep silent in that time, mm. for it is a time of evil. And I always, and it's, that's something hard for me to do, especially when you see all the evil going around. It's really hard not to jump up and down. But it's it seems as if God wants you not to say anything, just to keep doing righteously and just take the abuse and just ignore, in a sense, not react to it. That's, and just be silent. So anyone who knows me knows that I have a real problem keeping my mouth shut. Okay. So, um, so I get myself into all kinds of trouble because when I see things that are wrong, I say, that's wrong. And, 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 you know, maybe, maybe this verse is very applicable to um, little Aaron. And I like your comment, Vida. Perhaps I should be more engaged in my actions as uh, then perhaps uh, so much criticism. Yeah. Uh, You're all guilty yeah. of that. Yeah. Maybe. And the, other, and the other question is in verse 15, it says, the, and the Lord, um, it may be the Lord of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Mm. He's talking to the North and the South kingdom. So why is he now suddenly specializing, picking up Joseph and to be gracious? Okay, that's a good question. I don't actually know. But um, maybe some other people might be able to pop in some some advice. Um, in the within the prophetic portions, every now and again we've seen them. They change uh, the name of who they're talking to. Ah, we'll call him Jacob. Ah, we'll call him Israel. Now we'll call him Joseph. We're like, well, whenever you hear these words like Yosef, um, that uh, that that uh, it's going to bring up images of captivity could it be that the joseph reference here because he's being gracious to him is that joseph was in a sense the suffering servant right if you and, and, and right and what did he do he went down it was all horrible but then he himself at the end of all of his suffering could turn around to his brothers and say what you meant for evil god meant for good look how many people i've saved now remember when studying the bible particularly the Hebrew Bible, you always have to give it the, uh, the two-handed approach. On one hand, it says this, and on the other hand, it says that. So um, on one hand, um, Joseph does really well as he, he really does bless and preserve Egypt, a bunch of pagans, bless and preserves his family, who didn't really know God at the time, but they got, they got better, and saved a whole bunch of other nations that were around. However, there is, an, there is a rabbinic stream which, um, which says that uh, he also, right, he, he sold the grain and he got lots of money, right? He, like, he, he didn't give it away. He, he had to buy it. And, uh, and, and, you know, and so therefore, because he was like charging lots of money for, for food, um, Egypt eventually stole uh, all the items from Israel. So they'll link uh, measure for measure. Uh, have you heard of that? Or ein tachet ein, eye for an eye, measure for measure. They say, why are the Egyptians always stealing all the Israelite stuff? Well, that's because Joseph stole stuff from the Egyptians. Okay, so they they will they will play on on two sides of of uh, all the heroes. So just just to let you let you out there, then when studying Jewish roots, you will often see these uh, commentaries come up um, um, by the sages. All right, so Michael, you're next. I was focusing on day the word is yom of course and early on in my christian walk i uh, learned the apologetic of how to explain 
the creation, when people say, oh, well, the word day there can mean anything, no, because he says a morning and an evening, but it just hit me here. I can't remember where in the Gospels and what scripture was Jesus was teaching from, but uh, he ended it uh, by saying in this day, the scripture is fulfilled in your sight, mm -hmm. but he left out at the end of the scripture, the day of the Lord, about the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it just really hit me. I, I really want to. So we just lost you there, Micah. That's what really hit me. Okay. Yeah, the uh, passage you're referring to is Luke 4, where he yes. goes into a synagogue and reads Isaiah 61. 61. Yeah. And actually, that's for those that uh, uh, are new, that's actually where Jesus says he is the Messiah. Yeah. Okay? Because he actually walks in, and in Hebrew, it actually says, uh, Adonai Mashachoti, the Lord has made me the Messiah. That's what it says in Hebrew in Isaiah. And then he sits down in front of them and says, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Right? That's a good, nice, classical Jewish way for Jesus to walk into a synagogue and say, I am the Messiah. Very, very nice, poignant way to do it. All right, Velma, Ireland, sunny Ireland is giving us uh, their wisdom. <laughs> I'm looking for the sun. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um. In response to Veda, um, one of the references I read about Joseph was that it was locational where his sons were given the land and the formation of Israel after they went in with Joshua. Okay. And so like saying that that's the part that's going to be come under judgment, if you know what I mean. I do. With those areas. And then just what I picked up reading this was in verse 15. Um, in my translation, it says, perhaps the Lord God Almighty. And that it's a perhaps. It's not a definite article that he will. Right. That has yes. such so let's remember, we're, we're, yeah. we're not describing an apocalypse. Yeah. So, so, so that by repentance, this could have been averted. Mm -hmm. but unfortunately it wasn't and that should always be something we should look at when judging our own societies if 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 we turn around and repent god is merciful um make things good but that is an apocalypse that w w won't change but it still requires a change of behavior right mm -hmm. repent jesus is coming right because you, you better be wanting to do that all right shimshon from nigeria Okay, for me, this, this, this chapter is a very, very um, interesting chapter because it starts with a song, you know, um, a, what we call a lamentation. Um, you know, even a, a lamentation can also be a song. And it's a reading. In fact, um, the prophet alludes to that, that the people are rejecting his hymn, his, um, his, uh, his kind of music. And so it, just like uh, Moses sang a song to the people, so that they can remember when this um, evil began to come upon them. So he's he also borrowing the same leaf. And when you look at um, songs, they are in poetry. And uh, many of the words will not just be very direct words. Uh, they are words that will try to send some connotations to the hearers. They will resonate very well with the hearers that uh, passers-by might not understand what the person is saying. So when, when you're looking at such words, you have to look at it from the history, language, and context of the scripture to be able to grab um, um, very important information. Um, for me, it, it started with the same concept which um, 
you know, engineer the first two chapters, um, cause and effect. It continued to use the, the cause and effect. And I mentioned the day of the Lord, which uh, many of us have mentioned. Um, the day of the Lord is actually a two-edged sword. Um, sometimes, most times it's punishing Israel, the day of the Lord talking about judgment upon Israel. But also, if you read in the book of Revelation, they talk about the day of the Lord, they talk about the punishment of evil people also. So um, it's telling them not to be excited about the day of the Lord because most probably this one is for you. <laughs> so <laughs> if you would um, connect to it, then uh, they mentioned most of their high places, Gilgal. We know Gilgal was one of the first place that uh, became the sanctuary for, for, the, for God's people um, to, to build. Then they also mentioned Bethel and Besheba. These are very, very important places for them as a religious um, group, as a body that wants to worship God. And um, he, told, he, he told them not to put their hope on those places. So it's very, very serious in this chapter. It's really a lamentation. Indeed. Indeed. And it's, I like the, uh, the well, I, mean, I don't like the, the idea. <laughs> They've rejected God. That's terrible. Okay, but what happens is is God gives gives he doesn't hide what happens. If you reject God, this is what happens: desolation, loneliness, sadness, days of darkness. And then finally, when you get to the day of the Lord, this is not something you're looking forward to. It's actually the complete opposite. And um, and uh, and and so um, the what I guess what it's a lament. We're meant to be sad for our israeli brothers and sisters here or actually for the world uh in, in we're not meant to rejoice rejoice in the um destruction coming it's actually a lament take up a lament and 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 then but then with always constantly with the with the um the the summons and and the warning and the and the invitation seek me and live right See and 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 whenever whenever I see the the word seek me, this is for me. Whenever I see the word seek me, I always hearken back to what's in Deuteronomy, where God says, um, "When you seek me with all your heart, you will find me." It's a really nice thing. When you seek me, it's not like you. Oh, I can't find him. It's too. I'm too far gone. Oh, it's too dark. You know, it's uh, my my economic environment is so horrible. There's no point trying to find God. God says, "No, no, no. You seek me. I'm right here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. In all, he, he makes sure that um, he continues to give them that window of opportunity for change, for repentance, and to avert whatever the lamentations are talking about. Yep. Okay, a couple of more hands here. Uh, Vito David, London. It's, it's me again, Eric. Uh, two points. Uh, the first point, just a very brief point, then I'll go on to the next one, is I, I do sense that most believers, when they, they're not calling for the day of the Lord, what they're calling is the return of Lord Jesus. So I would say there's a slight difference there. We are not calling for the day of the Lord, which is the wrath of the Lord God. We are asking for Lord Jesus to come back like he promised, right? And that, is just, that was just a thought. But secondly, uh, I'm, I'm looking at three points, six, eight, uh, where is it? Four, six, and eight, where it says, seek the Lord and you shall live. Seek the Lord and you shall live. And then I jump down to the bottom in uh, verse, verse 22. It says, though you offer me burnt offerings and meat offerings, I'm not going to accept them, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I, I jump to 25 and 26, it says, have you offered me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness 40 years of Israel? The Lord is pointing back to the wilderness, right? And he says, but you, the problem with you is you, you are worshiping false things, right? So my question here is this. 
is that the Lord said, seek me and you shall live, right? We, we know that those who diligently seek the Lord will find them. So, but he's saying, I don't want your sacrifices. What is he asking Israel here? Because he still says, even though you're going to do all this, I'm going to send you, I'm going to disperse you, right? But yet he says in those, those three verses at the top, seek me and you shall live. Seek me and you will find, and, and things, will, things will go well for you. What is he asking Israel? Is he asking Israel to come back to true sacrifice to him? Or is he looking for a hard thing? Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Well, that's a, good questions. And, I, and, and it's answered in other prophets too. I mean, what was the purpose of a sacrifice? To draw close to the Lord. Um, and uh, the, the sacrifices that we're talking about here are not actually in the temple. Right? Where are the Israelites offering their sacrifices? In Gilgal, in Beth El, in you know, in Dan, you know, they're they're not in the temple. There's the split in the monarchy here, and um, and so uh, there's 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 that side as as well. But uh, it's a. I like the point that you made when we when we ask for the return of the Lord, we're asking for for Jesus to come back, and that is great. And that's why you always have to remember things on two hands. On one hand, the Lord returns, and He brings sets up uh the kingdom the millennial kingdom we engage in his divine rule and reign here on earth heaven and earth meet it's all fantastic but also at the same time when he comes back he also brings judgment so it's like he's, there's they're both there at the same time and uh there's that there's that that push pull which we always we always uh, want um work while it's still today because soon we don't have a day coming all right, Greg, and then I'm going to call on Mordecai to give us some um, uh, some some things he's prepared on on repentance uh, in in the, the Jewish rabbinic tradition. Uh, Greg, from sunny Alabama. Yeah, just a quick one, and it is sunny. Well, a little clouds coming over, but it's nice weather, beautiful. <clears throat> and just a quick one on the remnant of Joseph, um, okay. that representing Israel and being scattered like grain throughout the nations. I find it very interesting that the blessing of Joseph was given to Ephraim by Jacob, which was his younger son. And so when you look at Ephraim and the seed of Joseph, uh, they got a double dose of choice over the birthright. And the fact that they're sent out into the nation 800 years or so before Christ, you know, it kind of impresses me that they're sent out like seeds and actually may be the sprouts of, let's just say, Christianity and other coming back to God in the Gentile nations. So just kind of been something that, you know, just wondered if you had thoughts on that. Uh, well, the, the, the Jewish people also had an idea of when, when they read the scriptures of, of there being a two messiahs, a messiah ben Joseph and a messiah ben David. So there was this idea that um, Joseph's life and his story actually had a was part of the messianic plan, right? It actually had it was on the different levels of reading the text. You could you could see the foreshadows of something there. Um, he also has he also ends up having two children, which become part of the house of Israel, and he doesn't, right? There's no tribe of Joseph. There's a tribe of Ephraim and a tribe of Manasseh. There's no tribe of Joseph, so. Um, so he, he, he serves, things are done to him, but he serves, he blesses, he saves, and yet 
he all the blessings that that are actually done through his his children his offspring and of course you know the gentiles are grafted into the household of israel and we end up taking on the mission that uh, jesus gave the disciples to go out and share the light to the nations which they did right which is a which is a good thing all right um i'm going to call on mordecai brother amos is asking us to repent Oh, we've got to change our mind. We've, you know, stop offering these crazy sacrifices, but seek the Lord. What's, uh, what have you got on some of those topics? Yeah, before I go and talk about the repentance in Judaism, I would like to talk about why God has bound himself to the everlasting promise to Israelites and why he tried everything to bring them back, you know? Because there's no other nation on this earth, on this planet, that God really trusts. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, he could send them prophets to warn them, you know, I'm going to wipe them up. So <clears throat> I'd like to start sharing. So as we remember uh, our studies, from our studies on Monday, that everything started with Avram, right? The vocation of Avram is the biblical basis for the key role of that Israel that we are talking about in the divine plan of salvation. It's all about in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, refers to the call of Abraham and to God's promise to him, as it's written, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you, make your name great. And I will bless those who bless you and curse who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So with this promise, God determined that all the great blessings of humanity would be from that moment on were related to Israelites. So it is God's plan for the Hebrew nation, the Israelites, the Jew, that it would become the mediator of salvation for other peoples of the earth. God finally confirmed this to Israelites with the covenant on Mount Sinai, as we read in Exodus. But did Israel fulfill its calling? So the scriptures that we have been studying in Leviticus and uh, the Termini that uh, Christchurch family has been teaching and sharing with brothers and sisters like you, the scriptures show that the time after time, century after century, the people of promise were not faithful. Israel's history is one of the idolatry, murder, adultery, oppressing the poor, breaking the law, testing God, you know, in every possible way. Rather than being a holy people set aside for their priestly duties, mediating between God and other nations, their desire was to be like the other nations. So God separates them from other nations to make them holy in order to bring salvation and light to the other nations. But in return, Israel says, no, we want to be like them. Why are you separating? You know, I want to put you know, idols in Bethel. I want to put this. I want to put that. When Israel forced Samuel, the prophet, to give them a king as other nations, because at that moment the Israelites didn't have any kings, it was just another indication that Israel did not capture the uniqueness of its calling, but rather wanted to exchange their birthright for a material king. But God has bound himself to the everlasting promise to Israel for them to, to be the corporate source of blessing. God tried everything to bring Israel back to its ultimate purpose. He sent prophets like Amos that we are studying. He exercised warning of warning uh, some degrees of discipline and argued them generation after generation to come back to him, to follow him. 
even the punishment of exiles that is written in this uh, chapter as well, partially led some kind of repentance and regathering, but not full repentance. Even after, after the captivity, only a small remnant of faithful in the land was willing to turn with all their heart to God of Israel, their God of the covenant. Being surrounded by ignorance, these remnant people did only possible thing, crying out for the coming of the Messiah to change the, the way. However, when the Messiah came, finally came, he was not coming the way they accepted, as we all know, he didn't assume a political rule and goals don't. So God really wanted them to fit their calling to be a blessing and to bless all the families through them. But if the nation that was supposed to be a blessing, that was supposed to be light, was not fulfilling its very fundamental purposes, so what should God do? He kept sending prophets. Ask them to repent. Come back to me. So what is the Jewish understanding of repentance? So as everything uh, goes to practicing and doing, instead of, you know, uh, it's also written in the New Testament, like be a doer instead of hearer. So there are three steps that described by Rambam. First, acknowledgement of the sin by saying, I have sinned, I have act, I have transgressed, goes on. And remorse of the sin, I am contrited and ashamed of my deeds. And resolution for the future, I will never do this. So does that familiar? from Jesus' teachings, right? James 5.16, it says, confess your sins to each other so you may be healed. And resolution for the future, right? Jesus says, sin no more. So nothing worse may happen to you. So first, you need to acknowledge the sin in order to have a remorse for sin. And then there are two forms of repentance in Judaism. Teshiva, right? Confession has two forms, ritual and personal. Ritual confession requires uh, some liturgies, some liturgical confessions, as we see in the Yom Kippur, the high priest, with the community. The entire community depends to God. But the, the personal confession is an individual confession before God. Or, I mean, we don't have that priestly confession, like in the, in, in the New Testament. but you need to confess your sin to God. I have sinned. I have sinned against you, right? And uh, David says, like, for I have sinned against you, Lord. Uh, but uh, acknowledging the sin and also repenting from it is, does not uh, make you a better person, so you have to stop doing it. And on this chapter, if I may, say something about it, as uh, David Butterfield said from London, God said, finally, seek good and not evil in order that you live, right? Hate evil and love good, establish just, justice in the gate. So don't answer evil with evil, as we remember from Paul's letters. So you see all our uh, Christology based on the very, very early rabbinic traditions, and finally, in verse 22, for if you offer up me burnt offerings and your meal offerings, I will not accept them. And peace offerings, it goes on. So God said, I uh, beseech mercy, not offering. So you could do everything 
in a possible way, but you, if you don't do it wholeheartedly, it means nothing to God. And Yeshua, our uh, beloved Messiah, when he talks about this, he says, if you have something against your brother, if you have this misunderstanding that you need to repent or he needs to repent to you, you need to make peace, you leave the offering before the altar. Why? Because God will not accept it. If there is no wholehearted repentance, if there is no uh, real teshua, hazara, then it all means nothing. So God kept his promises for generations after generations and said prophets like Amos that we are studying to bring back Israelites to create that holy nation so he may bless the families of the earth because this is a, this is a question that everybody asks about, you know, why God didn't give up? Why is he still trying to bring them back? Because he wanted to use them for his plan of salvation. All right. There's a lot there. Oh my God. Okay. A lot there, but some of it down. Um, why, why, why does God want us to repent? Because for Israel's turn, it's part of his, it's part of his plan. And you mentioned the thing, seek good and not evil. So why does God say that? Why does he not say, Ah, seek the Torah. It's like, what does it mean? And uh, establish justice. So, what is good and what is justice? What are those things? Mordecai has actually kind of hinted at it. Their actions, right? You know, it's uh, the it's it, seek good. What does it mean to seek good? Just to sit down and go. I need something good. Got to got to feel good. Got to feel warm and fuzzy. No, put that into practice. Don't seek evil. Establish justice, not injustice. And what is justice? Justice is an action. It's not just a fuzzy wuzzy talk where we say, go and be warm, go and be well. Actually, um, God is actually turning around to his people and saying, now I need you to fulfill your, your part of the blessing to the nations by doing something good. Right? That's who I am. You're going to reflect my character and away, away you go. So, uh, uh, these are these are actions, and that's, that's exactly what you see with 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 Jesus. Be doers yeah. of the word, not just hearers only. You see, it, he doesn't say eye to eye, tit to tit. This is the later uh, tradition started with prophets. Actually, this eye to eye, tit to tit, was given on that uh, time, as you were talking on Tuesday, right, Aaron? You need to see the time when God say these things. It's, it's it doesn't mean forever if someone does something to you. It's these are not Christian. Uh, mentality or Jesus trying to change the world of Torah. Uh, we have a very beloved anti-missionary rabbi, Aaron and I are sometimes dealing with. He always says like, oh, how come Jesus can say, I, I brought sword, not peace. I brought separation. Not we are meeting for the Messiah, right? And everything will be pink. Well, it's written here, right? 18, verse 18. Woe to those who desire the day of the Lord. Why would have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. So everything is goes to the Messiah. Everything goes to his teaching. And uh, as you see in the later generation, I was already reaching the some point. And what Yeshua had talked about was not something that he invented, right? He didn't find it. He was actually saying something that Israelites of his time already knew because of the prophets and the later writings. Thank you. Uh, Andrew, um, South Africa. Okay, good. Uh, just to come back to David's point about what is, why does God not want their sacrifices? And it, it reminded me of Jonathan Sachs's interpretation 
of one of the early verses in Leviticus, and I can't find the Hebrew at the moment, but essentially what it was saying is when you bring your sacrifice, but it was a bit more than when you bring your sacrifice, when you bring a sacrifice of yourself, this is how you go about it. So okay, so you're linking the heart issue again. That, uh, that, that heart issue, yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. God is requiring the sacrifice of us, the sacrifice of me. Yep. Or in, in Leviticus, a sacrifice of you. Right. This is how you go. And another thing, if I may add, was that glad that Mordecai mentioned both corporate and individual repentance, because this is all a call to corporate repentance, I think. Amos is calling the kingdom of Israel to, to repentance. And we don't often hear that. Christianity, we tend to individualize things. Mm. Uh, we're calling individuals. Um, but this is a call to community repentance. And maybe we need more of that. Okay, thanks, Andrew. Yes, that's, uh, yep. The, uh, there, is, there is the individual repentance, as, um, as we've all talked about, but yes. There's, a, there's also the corporate repentance that Israel has to be the nation of light and we have to be the household of faith of light. We're grafted into this and into this calling. Okay, Brazil. Hi, hi, hi everyone. <laughs> um, just going back to what you said, Aaron, about faith and faith being having action. And I just, uh, this week, I looked, you know, the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. And every time you have the word faith and all of the um, patriarchs and it's there's always a verb attached to it so you know by faith abraham offered isaac by faith isaac invoked by faith moses he was hidden by faith uh rahab welcomed and so it's very interesting how um faith faith is exactly action it's that's how we show our faith is through our actions yep yeah yep you can't you can't get away from it and as mordecai was describing repentance yes it starts in uh, in the heart it starts with a verbal acknowledgement i've actually done something wrong okay james encourages us to actually confess out loud to each other okay um uh, doesn't hurt can be quite actually psychologically good for you um then of course there's the the uh determination to to to, to not want to do it again but that's actually that's an action yeah, restitution as you have well. To make, if depending on yeah, depending on your sin, what it is, you have yeah. to make restitution. Uh, particularly if you if you've wronged a brother and you, you want to reestablish a relationship, that's all physical. That's all actual a real thing. Um, and the other side of because there's multiple levels of of uh, of every word, especially of Hebrew, teshuvah, the word for repentance. Um, uh, what does it mean? It comes from the verb loshuv uh, to return. And, and often you'll see to repent means to turn around. Well, Teshuvah doesn't mean to turn around. It means to it means to go back to where you originally were. Which I think it's it, it, it's much much more concrete than metanoia, which is like you know the the, the kind of the change of your mind. Change but... your mind, yeah. So Israel is called to repent and go back to her calling to be lights to the nations and to be the people of God and to and to, that doesn't mean we get rid of sacrifices. It's not it's not. Okay, that's not they they might still want to do that. But the point is is to be to go back to where where the uh, the calling that, that God said to be to Abraham, go be a blessing to the nations. And for us, okay, if you were safe in the arms of Jesus, but for some reason you've wandered, when you repent, where do you go? Back 
to the safe arms of Jesus. Not like it's not a journey or I'm walking on my way, but you're back. And, uh, you know, he, you're back in his care with his angels and his love and his, his glory and the spirits. It's, it's, uh, it's a good thing. You return, which is a, a nice thing. But also return to your calling, right? It's, uh, you know, on those different hands, we return back to that role that we have to share the light of the Messiah to the world. Uh, Vida? Yes, Aaron, we talk about this repentance and it just struck me what it says, you know, if my people humble themselves, and it, it says, they, it, but the first action is seek my face and then repent. And I was thinking, we can't really just repent because we don't really understand what we have to repent of. And so we've sought God's face who reveals to us what's offended him. And mm-hmm. as that action comes through, then he's dealing with us in order to do the repentance that's right, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, I, Amos has been very specific with Israel here um, about what they've done wrong, right? Okay, uh, oppression of the poor, you've, 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 you're not giving justice anymore, you know, uh, you've gone into idolatry. He even named some of the gods this time. But we would right. tend to justify it, you know? Yeah. Do you know that as an individual, we say, but we don't do that. And so until you see God's face, we won't recognize that we part of that, if that makes sense. Michael, uh, Texas, is that right? Yes, sir. I really appreciate what was just said. I recently took a course on intercession with a man I've known uh, as a teacher for many years, Francis Frangipani. And he started out by talking about being poor in spirit. If we're going to be Christ-like, if we're going to have an unoffendable heart, and that is exactly what he stressed. Okay, yeah, I'm poor in spirit. Oh, really? Why don't you ask your father how? where so that was awesome i really appreciate that comment because that takes me back to that teaching where i need to sit with god and go okay lay it on me take me to the spiritual woodshed if i need to go there but i can't just look at these words and say okay check it's not the kind of christian i am where am i poor in spirit so as mordecai mentioned the first thing we need to do is right is, is, is for israel for all of us but put it back into its context, is let's recognize uh, what the sin was. Because if you don't do that, then, um, and we keep going, because there are people who you know, don't want to deal with their sin, and they'll keep going to church. Yeah, we probably all know people. We've probably even done it ourselves. If we've, we've um, right? So we, uh, and then the Lord says, just as, so in, in Amos, okay, I despise these feasts. You know, I'm not going to take your offerings. And then you see that Jesus says, as Mordecai did, exactly the same thing in Matthew. Right? right. Don't bring your offering to me. Right? Go, go, go fix this stuff up. And, uh, but the, the, the beautiful thing is you can fix this stuff up. Repentance works. Right? It's, yeah. not, it's not ineffective. It's effective. Well, if I may, that's why... In Hebrew, we say hakarat hachet, recognition of the sin. It's very important if you don't know that some actions that you have done is sin, then you can just say, oh, I repent, repent, Lord, for I have sinned. But why are you repenting for? Because I have sinned. But what was the sin? If you don't know that, it's not a wholeheartedly repentance. And also, if you don't stop sinning, it's as a problem. You know, it's also written in the New Testament. Uh, what should we say? Should we keep on sinning? 
right? It's the same problem. Because people think, okay, so I acknowledge the sin and I uh, repented. If you are Catholic or Anglican, I've been to the priest. I had a nice confession meeting. My sins are forgiven. Where were we? <laughs> it doesn't work like this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this uh, turn away, uh, seek me and live. There's, a, there's all of this is here because um, the judgment is coming. And um, that judgment, the day of the Lord, now the judgment here is it's quite strong, okay? Um, uh, the day of the Lord the, 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 is something that we should, is it something we should hope for? Well, yes. But also at the same time, no. How dare I say such a thing? You know, Aaron, you're confusing the pants off everybody. But um, it, uh, it's, what, what does the, who says it? It's, it's, it's one famous rabbi in the past. Which, which is better, a day of rain or the day of the Lord? Rain. 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 He says, <laughs> why, why is a day of rain better than the day of the Lord? I mean, the day of the Lord, Lord comes down. Yeah. He says, well, on the day of the Lord, it's only a good day for the righteous. It's not a very good day for the unrighteous. Um, but a day of rain, a day of rain, that rain falls on the bad guys, on the thieves, on the adulterers, but also on the good guys as well. And so everybody liked that day. Um, and so they, they, what, what they're trying to say is, so work while it's still today. You know, while it's still, still not the day of the Lord here. So we should, um, and, and here in Amos, it's, it's very, very clear. Um, it's, a, it's not a good day for you guys because um, they haven't yet repented. And unfortunately, we know from history, they don't listen to Amos. Okay. But that's that, not to say that that, that that they couldn't have, because we have other prophets where they do listen, Jonah being a particular one. And on Yom Kippur, that's the book you read, right? On, uh, on the day assigned to, uh, to, for, for mourning and repentance, you read a book where they actually did repent and they actually did avert, avert judgment. And, um, and interestingly enough, it was the Gentiles who did it. <laughs> so lots of irony in that in that little little book. A couple of hand raised. I'll honor the hands. So Vida or David? Yes, uh, Aaron, it's me. I was just coming back to following on from what Vida said, you know. Uh, actually, to understand what offends the Lord, that's why we have the law, right? That's why we have Torah, right? And I was trying to follow that through into, into Lord Jesus, where he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, not do what I say? So by saying that, he's saying he, he's telling us what offends him as well. So, uh, and, and I think we, we have this, this whole word of God. We have the law. We have the, 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 the new covenant, etc. So we should, as believers, understand what it is that offends the Lord as, as because we've got both sides now. And so we should be following through on that. Right. Does it make any sense? Well, oh, yeah. yes. So, so the Torah, or, or all the all of those, the the teaching, the guidance, and the instruction, because yeah. uh, right, which reveals what is offensive to God, but also yes. reveals the things that He likes. Yes, right? I, know, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah I was, I was and, trying to put it in context with chapter five. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So there's a so, um, and so in 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 uh, Jeremiah he puts it on our hearts. So. Yeah. Where also where the spirit dwells, so we get them both wrapped up together. Right? Yes, that makes it even. You know, that's you, you got to remember Holy Spirit plus the guidance and instruction of God. Oh my gosh, you know you're doing really well. Um, which is exactly where we're where we're meant to be. Um, although, and not, not although, and on the other hand, 
there is the, still the option or, or uh, call that when we do acknowledge our sin, we repent, which is we turn away, we do all that kind of stuff, and we also return. Right? So I just noticed it in the chat. What is repentance but turning away? It is. It's turning away from sin, but it's also more than that. Right? It's, it's always more. It's turning away and returning to um, uh, where, we're, where we're meant to be, which is with, with God. Okay, Michael. Thank you again. What an awesome group. Thank you again for uh, returning me to Hebrews. Gosh, what a book. Uh, chapter 11. How many times have I read that list and not focused on the verbs? But here's what I got just a minute ago when I was uh, mentioning the teaching that taught me about being poor in spirit and asking God. When I sat in cathedral one time and I asked him that, he told me root of bitterness. Where is the root of bitterness in my in my sin, and that was really powerful. That's Hebrews 12, 15. I want to ask Mordecai what he thinks about the root of bitterness and sin. Could you please repeat it, root of bitterness? The root of bitterness in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. Root, like uh, R-O-T. R-O-O-T, yeah, like shortage. Yes. Yeah, that's like. exactly the same thing. If you don't acknowledge that what you did was sin and you keep in it, if you don't have this wholeheartedly repentance, then you always have a little piece in you. Master seed, right? That's what Jesus talks about. Master seed of faith. If you have the master seed of root of bitterness, it's, it's the contrary wow. to the master seed of faith. Wow. So guys, I want us to focus a little bit, if we can, on our modern day let's let amos let's let the lion roar to today so um here we are in 2023 and um all kinds of crazy things are going on in the world there really are uh, i don't even know where to begin um however um you know we have to speak the truth so our world has lost the ability to recognize truth. Oh my gosh! And uh, and it's we're in a we're in a, 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 a where there are forms of religion, just like we would see here in Beit El. People would go to Beit El, and and they they might even bring a sacrifice to God. But at the same time, they also had these other gods. Uh, Amos even names them. Um, the ones he he names in verse twenty six. Um, these are our Mesopotamian star gods, right? This is part of the, um, the, the pantheon that from the east that's beginning to, to move over into, uh, to, towards the west and, and unfortunately had become attractive to, uh, to Israel at the same time as the worshiping God. You know, God's one God among many. Um, uh, and, and, and unfortunately, that even appears in some of our denominations where, you know, uh, all gods are the same and you, know, you can be a Muslim and go to heaven. You can be a Hindu and go to heaven. And, and so suddenly you realize, why do you need Jesus in the first place? Um, what happened here? And um, so the call is we've got to, we've got to, how do we apply these words to our day? Okay, guys, um, uh, hand raised there, multi. I wanna I wanna give an, an example another example 
So when dear Fergus was uh, volunteering in CMJ, we started a, a nice tradition of going and seeing the ancient sites. Uh, now Fergus is in Scotland, so Dick and John and Arnold and I still do that. So we've been to Tel Arad and they have a temple there in exactly oh, yeah. the same shape, Holy of Holies, altar and everything. And they have two pillars, one to Jehovah and to his wife. And during the temple period, like they had the temple in Jerusalem, <laughs> but they, yet they have this temple right there and exactly the same way of offerings, animals, and they fight animals. But it's so interesting to see that they did not acknowledge that what they were doing was sin. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to share that that's the only example as far as I remember in the land of Israel that another temple, I mean, maybe Beth El was the other one too. Yeah, not maybe. But... Yeah, they, so there were actually a few temples running around. Um, uh, Arad is one, and it is interesting because down there, yep, they, God's wife's floating around. How did they get there? I have no idea, but they, they did it. But okay, Amos is speaking to our world too. God is calling our world to repentance. And how's he going to do it? Well, he was using a non-profit. And uh, since the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, who now has the gift of prophecy? Everybody, right? What does Paul say? I wish you would all prophesy. Right? Amen, yes. Yeah, I, I will pour out my spirit in those days. On air, all flesh. Uh, not just the Jews, all flesh. Incredible vision that um uh joel sees so guys we need to be able to speak into our generation yeah amen yes 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 lord yeah yeah as tom says we have to speak up yes we do we cannot be silent even though what has that and vita mentioned it okay <laughs> there were some times where you go be silent which verse was it vita where was it i think it's four or five um, yeah. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh... <laughs> yeah, uh, which is which is like really interesting. It's like, well, why would uh, if I'm supposed to speak up, how, how can I be silent? Perhaps it's thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, gonna make a short. Okay, anyway, there's a how do what what do we okay, what do we do in our in our world? A couple more hands raised. I'll honor them. Okay, a uh, couple more. Go Vida, then Teresa, then Joy. Canada is about to speak. All right, Vida or David? Uh, Aaron, it's just mostly today in the church, if we just go basically to the church, because we can't condemn those that are not saved. Not condemn, that's the wrong word, but we can't judge those that are not sure. saved. So we talk in the church. Most Christians will say, oh, I don't do that sin, or I don't do that. And yet they tolerate it. And if I look in the book of Revelation, it's so clear that one of the churches, Lord Jesus condemns that church just because they tolerate that's sin. It's not that they're partaking or doing it themselves, but they just say, I don't do it, but you can do it. It's okay. And that's that's not right. And that's something we just do not stand up to, as that last lady said, because we get shouted down and we're not loving. Yeah, but it's bystanding. Yeah. No, bystand. Good point. We we, we we mustn't tolerate sin. Now, that doesn't mean that um, we kick all sinners out of the church. It's going to be a very empty place if that happens, right? So um, what we do is we actually want to invite all sinners into the worship and presence of the lord but at the same time we must also say this is actually inappropriate behavior now 
I still want to meet you. I still want to talk to you. I still want to share with you, have coffee and talk and, 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 and maybe even have to work together, you know, jobs, whatever. But I, I can't say that I tolerate this, but I still love you very much and I'm not leaving. So there's, there's that, that, that ability to be able to um, uh, challenge and, uh, uh, and accept the call of God to come back. Okay, Teresa, London. Yeah, um, I think that I might, you might have covered this point and I might have just missed it. But I think that within the church, um, certainly the Anglican church over here and the wider church, there is that, um, well, let's take LGBT and all of that subject. Um, people tend not to want to talk about it and they tend or they want to say it's all okay. And I think that's, that is a problem. But if we just go back, one step further because of course we do need repentance in the church my goodness we need it but we need repentance in ourselves and we can ask God to show us our hearts I mean you know if if we attend if we take every time we we read the Bible and say Lord please will you show me what you're speaking to me today and what I need to do as a result of it and if we do the same when we hear sermons that is a fairly simple place to start but it, it's just, it's like examining your conscience in the old, you know, the, the kind of old fashioned Catholic way we used to do when I was a child. But um, I do think that's important so that we keep working on ourselves and walk in repentance the whole time. And that's a big deal, really. Um, yeah, it is. It, um, the New Testament has the verb repentance. Um, you know this, Teresa, because... We hear it from David nearly every every Sunday. Yeah, um, yeah. that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, the, that it's um it's uh, it's in the present continuous. Repent and keep on repenting. Mm. It's mm. a it's a lifestyle. Prophecy is a lifestyle. Repentance mm. is a lifestyle. It's what Dwight used to Dwight Pry used to teach about too. Repent and go on repenting, and, and be filled with the Spirit and go on being filled. I remember. Yeah, but yeah. A couple of good comments in the side chat for those that are listening on the podcast. Um, uh, uh, Janet from Canada, the presence of the Lord will bring repentance. Actually, this is also true, right? You have the Holy Spirit, and the, and God likes to dwell within within a community, right? Two or three are gathered. There I am in your midst. So imagine if two brothers who have the presence of the Lord invite the non-believer for dinner or for fellowship. You know, even though we're, we're not we're not condoning sin, we're not tolerating it. We're letting people know what it is. That actually, the spirit, the presence of the Lord, could also touch their hearts. Conviction lead to repentance, and then we might end up with a new brother or sister. And uh, Shimshon from Nigeria. When people don't who don't identify with God tell us how to worship God, yeah, there's a problem. Isn't that just the height of hubris? Right, we're not believers in Jesus, but this is how you should believe in Jesus. <laughs> like, uh, it's like what you, you haven't even read the Bible. What do you know about Jesus? Um, and uh, it is—it's quite—it's quite hubris, and that's the world we've got. Oh my gosh! And uh, but the but the Lord roars at this, and when He does, we oh boy, you know, don't don't look for the day of the Lord. There's a there's a there's a judgment coming. Yeah, just, um, you know, sometimes you want to go out and save the world, but it really is one by one. And it reminds me of the verse in 2 Corinthians that we're a letter from Christ to be known and read by all. It really is, um, it's getting involved in people's lives. Um, I had a friend of mine, she 
wasn't a believer and has terminal cancer and now she's loving the Lord and she's given her life to him. And so it really is just like showing Christ. If you don't, if you can't speak it, live it out and, um, and, and shine so that people can see, you know, what is different about this person and really have a heart to pray and say, okay, I, who, who's around me? Who's in my community? Who's, who's my next door neighbor? Who is my colleague at work? Who are, who has the Lord placed on an airplane <laughs> sitting next to me? And, and uh, just pray for opportunities and really um, show the love of the yep. Lord. Let your light shine before men so that they what? Hear your perfect testimony? No. That they may see your no. good deeds. Right? So that, that you could be silent, like in verse 13, but your light was still shining. And so now they can give glory to your father. Why are you doing what you're doing? And, um, and that's a good thing. Yeah. So we're not, we're not all going to have the gift of the gab, or, but uh, we will all have the fruit of the spirit. All right. Jan, you've got a hand raised. Trying to make, put these verses to something personal and working toward justice in the world we're living in today. Um, I think that God doesn't ever require us to be successful in the things we do, but we do have to just speak out and act against it. And he alone will uh, do the changing. We just have to make the move and try to do something instead of sitting back and not doing anything. Um, He's the sovereign God, and he's the one who has can change things on the earth. And then also, I think with Amos being uh, not a prophet and a um, but just an average person, that is sort of a example for us to realize that we can't make an excuse for not doing anything because we feel too little or too insignificant to make any difference in the lives of people. Because none of us um, can do anything on our own power. We just have to be God's ambassadors on earth. That's a, a good thought. We, we are not required to be successful, but we are required to seek good. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 what it means is Christianity or faith. The Christianity is not passivity. Can't get fall into the trap of having a passive Christianity because the devil loves that. And, and what, is, what does the world hate? It hates active Christians. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, and the other thing, about that, oh, I'm sorry, but the other thing about that is the lit, if you don't ever get started, the longer you go without doing anything, the easier it is not to do it. Yes, that's a good point too. So when's the best day to report? What, what's the um, Rabbi Akiva? They asked, disciples of Rabbi Akiva asked him one day, Rabbi, when, when should we repent? Hey, repentance of nice thing, repent. So, and the rabbi he would said, Well, one day before you die. <laughs> like, well, what day is that? Ah, <laughs> so better start now. <laughs> and uh, when, when, when should we return to the Lord? Well, no, no time like now. When should we seek good? No time like now. And, uh, and yes, it's true. The longer we delay, that, yeah, uh, I was going to share that it's for the deep note, it's Rabbi Eliza. <laughs> oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. Him, uh, okay. He keeps saying, like, uh, repent one day before your death. And then his disciples ask him, does then one know on what day he will die? And then he answers, well, then let him repent today, lest him die tomorrow. Yep. Is that Elazar Ben-Hirkonos? Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, so that's actually the teacher of Rabbi Akiva. So it would have been one of well, Rabbi Akiva would have been one of his <laughs> students. Yeah, yeah. Same claim. So. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, we we for those of us who um did the Ash Wednesday service. Uh, it's not not everybody's tradition, I know. Um, but we gathered in 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 our community last Sunday, and um, uh, a we had a a sermon, um by uh, a welsh um priest who um ang ang uh, anglican priest from wales 84 years old right walked into the church stood up and said you know uh he was talking about uh, his life and he said what really got him through his ministry was when he would wake up he would say what happens if today's my last day how should i live today how should i make sure that my relationships are all in order with my friends and it was a really good challenge for us and it's very reminiscent of some of the things we're talking about here all right shimshon nigeria all right thanks aaron again um there's just um these lamins that continue to you know reoccur in this text and when you look at it in every generation, we usually um, criticize the previous generation of not listening to the prophet. And it happens to the next generation. And um, we're always lagging behind. And I, I wonder why it's always happening like that, that the next generation, we say, oh, if we were there, we'll have done it right. We'll have done it right. And, um, it's, and I believe it's happening to us also that we're hearing this prophecy now, not necessarily from the scripture, but and we're not yielding to the prophets of our time. We're not yielding to the word of God. We're not yielding. And um, uh, it, it, the prophet continues just to reemphasize it that even to the point that he said that he's, he's going to hear the skilled mourners, um, those uh, professional mourners. Um, um, it, it's very, very, we have them in, in Africa. Um, if you go to a burial ceremony, there are people that are professional mourners. When they come, they, they don't have to weave words and they cry with those words and they make some songs with those words. That just listening to them, you are driven into emotions and begin to cry also, as if you know the person. And so they usually hire these people to come around. And the prophet is mentioning that. And so you could see how much the prophet wants to bring the people to this emotional place to know that their state is really bad and um, they need this repentance. Thanks. As you were talking, Shimshon, um, I, I wrote down, like all generations, um, we have a tendency not to listen to the prophets of their time. So I asked, why not? Why don't we do that? And um, why is it only the remnant listen? And then I was struck by a verse in uh, the New Testament. Many are called, few are chosen. And you go, hmm, so there, it's, isn't it, it's something about us. Uh, but God doesn't want everyone to go. He, he wants us all. And then the sad, sad um, part of history is many, many choose not to listen to the Lord. Well, guys, we're gonna, we're gonna, no, no, no one here is not gonna listen. I, I, let's let's make sure though that we take this out to to the world. So, Lauren, Lauren, Africa, thank you very much. Um, I just was listening, and this one section here in verse um, about the remnant he will be gracious to the remnant of joseph and as we were talking about the lifestyle and the being read and doing the good works i just began to look at this and 
the scripture came to my mind in Ephesians. But before I go into that, we were talking about good works. And I have to say that I think that the good works is not the only, is not necessarily what we would think the good works that we need to do are. And I say that because in South Africa, we have many organizations that lift up, like for instance, the disaster in Turkey. We have somebody in South Africa here called Gift of the Givers. They are extraordinary and highly funded Muslim organization. And they go all over the world and they take whatever resources they have and they do certainly have resources. And they go out and they're very well known for their good works. And then I looked at this thing here with, I will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. And I thought, well, what did Joseph do? You know, he listened. He listened and he heard. And he heard the dreams and he heard the interpretations and what he needed to do when and how. And then I thought, I went to, the scripture just popped into my head about Ephesians, where he says, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for the good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I think we go back to that seeking here in Amos to know and to walk with him in such a way that as he would every day just going before him and saying to him, Lord, here I am, take me today to the good works you have created for me in Christ Amen. Jesus, because those are the effective ones. Yep. Just a thought. <laughs> no, it's good. Thank you very much, Lauren. Keep it up. Um, yep. The, it is interesting that all of us are called to that individually. And then as we're doing it, we can also do it corporately. And then as Andrew's also mentioned in the chat, if we're going to be speaking as prophets into this world, which seems to be not doing so well, we are often perceived as being judgmental. Isn't that true? So the challenge is how to do it humbly. It's the challenge. How do we do this without grandizing or becoming judgmental, but actually um, humbly laying before people the truth, humbly, humbly laying before people um, the, the, the call to repent. Are there any other comments on our, on our passage? This, as we've seen, Amos isn't just relegated to two and a half thousand years ago. The, the roar of God at the beginning is still pertinent to, to creation today and to our world. And so that call, just like we've read, as we, we, when we read in Deuteronomy, we read in, in Leviticus, that calling is very applicable to us today and uh, to, to repent, to seek good, but also to speak to, to the world and expand his kingdom.